I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 389 of Low Limit Football on this 21st of May, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Carlo Ancelotti announces that he will be returning to Real Madrid next season. Fuller and Balogun chooses the U.S. men's national team over England. Manchester City secure the EPL title before hitting the pitch this weekend as Arsenal fall to Nottingham Forest. Forest secure another season in the EPL with the win. And Italian teams have had massive success in Europe this week as all three finals have Italian teams in them. Is the Serie A back? We're going to ask that question and much more with our very special guest, Mr. Carlo Garganese from the Italian Football Podcast, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How was your trip, my man? It was good, Joe. It was good. And for those that don't know, I was able to go to Paraguay last week for a little bit of a, a little small vacation uh, to uh, also go watch the Super Classic. Between Olympia and Cedro. Very good matchup and a 2 2. But other than that, uh, it's good to be back. And obviously, we've had a great guest to really assess what has been kind of a renaissance for Serie A teams in all the three major European competitions as they prepare to, to fight for silverware. And, and here we are, right in the middle of May, almost June. And, you know, that means usually that titles are being wrapped up. We've already seen that in some leagues already in the last 24 hours. Still a bunch of races to be decided, be it for the title itself, for European qualification, or to not get relegated, obviously focusing on that. Also, Joe, if maybe you didn't realize this as well, the U-20 World Cup is happening at the moment in Argentina. Uh, obviously here for us in the United States, we're copying off a 1-0 win over Ecuador. Uh, that's to, to kick it off there. So definitely at least some tournament is going to happen uh, just to add into the numerous tournaments that's already <laughs> happening all across the uh, all across the world, really. Yeah, it's gonna. You know, it's it's technically supposed to be a light summer, but obviously we've got the Women's World Cup coming up towards the end of July. Um, like you had mentioned, the U twenty World Cup going on right now, um, which I was going to mention in our matches of the week. Um, yeah, so there's still plenty to be seen. Um, obviously, MLS is in mid season, so we've got the, that to hold us through the summer as we get ready, are ready to kick off. 2324 uh and insane uh, how matches have come fast and furious and uh, and they just continue to do so so let's um we're going to jump into opening thoughts but first my friend i have a trivia question for you if you would like it let's do it all right all right so um uh, you know, obviously with the talk of Carlo Ancelotti renewing at Real Madrid, I know that was a big question on the, uh, on everyone's minds, especially after losing 4-0 to Manchester City this week in the Champions League. I thought to myself, uh, you know, a guy like Ancelotti's gotta be making a pretty penny at Real Madrid. And believe it or not, he is the sixth highest paid manager in 2023 in world football. So my simple question to you is, can you name the top five? Oh. Wow. Simple. A, the yeah. top five highest paid managers of 2023 in world football. Oh, club, wow. By club. Um, by club. I, yep. did, I did not search national teams, but I doubt 
uh, some national team managers are making this money. So, um, mm-hmm. so we'll give you that answer at the end of the show. So let's get into opening thoughts. And with, uh, you know, as we sit here on Sunday, the 21st, most weekends are wrap, most met leagues are wrapping up their second to last weekend, meaning that next weekend is the final weekend of play in actually three of the top five leagues in Europe. Italy and Spain will continue on until the first weekend in June, but for England, I'm sorry, Italy and Spain, but for England, uh, France, and Germany, next weekend will be the final weekend of play. So we thought it'd be a good time. To kind of dig in just real quick and look at the tables um, in the in the three teams that or the three leagues that will be closing out their seasons, uh, I, like we had mentioned in the opening monologue, with um, Arsenal losing to Nottingham Forest uh, on the weekend here, City have already clinched the Premier League title before even facing Chelsea later today. Um, they currently sit on eighty five points with uh, with three matches to play, including that match against Chelsea. Arsenal can only do uh, as well as eighty four points uh, when they play their final match upcoming next weekend against Wolves. Uh, we have Newcastle in third and Manchester in fourth, uh, both on 69 points. Trying to hold off a Liverpool side, that could tie them. Now, Newcastle and United both have matches at hand on uh, on Liverpool. But uh, right now, the the final um, the final four, the top four in England, are almost almost locked and loaded at this point, right? I mean, Newcastle have Leicester City, who are about to be relegated. United are going to have Chelsea uh, on the 24th midweek. Uh, and we all know how much Chelsea's not able to score goals this season. So it looks really good for uh, for United and Newcastle to kind of remain as uh, a top four team. Liverpool going to the Europa. Uh, it looks like they should be able to hold off Brighton, um, who, uh, who will hold sixth. And then Aston Villa possibly going to the Conference League. The question is Tottenham Hotspur, 57 points. They are currently one point behind Aston Villa. Uh, They both have one match to play coming up uh, on the weekend, which uh, Villa will face Brighton and uh, and Tottenham will face Leeds. Leeds, obviously, we're going to get to the bottom of the table in a moment. But uh, actually, the moment is now. Everton, 33 points in 17th place. Nottingham Forest have secured uh, promotion or remaining uh, in the Premier League. So Leeds, Everton, uh, and Leicester City all separated by three points. Leicester have uh, two matches left to play, one of those matches obviously being against Newcastle, who are looking to secure their final spot in the Premier League. So plenty of moving pieces. The The very top and the very bottom are set, Roberto, with, uh, with Southampton already being relegated, with uh, Manchester City winning the title. Your quick two-minute um, rant on the Premier League, and what do you expect out of this last weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly, be it, Albeit from a from a critical standpoint, I think this was certainly a league that I guess none of us really expected, at least in terms of competitiveness. I mean, yes, I think we knew that the season was going to be always uh, an easy, not easy, sorry, a difficult one to to really call for, really. And you know, with City being the reigning the new champions, I think that wasn't in, as a surprise. I think the surprise was that Arsenal had had kept. First of all, being in that situation, because, you know, certainly, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, mm-hmm. I don't know what your prediction was, but mine was definitely very, very uh, low for Arsenal. I think I picked them fifth to, I think I picked them to finish fifth in the Premier League. So mm-hmm. for them to to go and, and challenge for the 200 and odd days uh, at the top of the Premier League and, and to see them collapse, I think, you know, certainly... I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, looking at it and some other teams that have really surprised us all, you know, the likes of Newcastle making it to the Champions League. We knew about their kind of their project now with their new ownership and how they were challenging just to qualify for Europe. And here they are uh, going all the way to the to the big boys league, to the Champions League. I mean, certainly that wasn't something that I think a lot of, if any, Newcastle fan was expecting at the beginning of the last of the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You see the collapse of the likes of Tottenham and Chelsea, you know, really falling flat on their face. Um, you know, the surprises of Brighton and Hove Albion and Aston Villa potentially going into Europe as well. And and looking at the relegation rates, you know, you see the likes of Everton, you know, continuing to fight their leads. Leicester, I didn't expect Leicester to be in this situation, um, but they really had a rough start at the start of the season, which allowed them to be in this position. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think overall, I think we saw kind of really, 
surprises all around. I think, I think no one, like I said, no one really su- was surprised that City was going to win. They were among the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the Premier League. But definitely the likes of the your Newcastles, your Liverpools, your Arsenals and Chelsea's and Tottenham's and, and so on and so forth, being in the position that they are, I think was the the main surprises for me, Joe, personally. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. The, uh, you know, looking back, episode 362, which we recorded on July 30th with Tom Scholes from, uh, from TalkSport, we did make our predictions. We, all three of us had City winning the title. Um, but then not to pat myself on the back, I was the only other person that got, uh, two of the top four right because I did have Arsenal finishing fourth in the league. Um, the rest of us had Liverpool, um, who are looking at fifth right now. So we're pretty close. Tottenham Hotspur eighth. And then you and Tom both had Chelsea finishing fourth, which um, I think, you know, if you want to talk about major disappointments in uh, in this year's uh, Premier League, I-, I think Chelsea is right there. I think they are the number one biggest disappointment. Uh, there was so much hope. Tuchel coming in, Champions League, Todd Bowley, they get the Roman Abramovich thing behind them. Uh, you know, they start to spend a little bit of money. Things are starting to look like they're going to, you know, work their way up and then they just absolutely fall flat, flat, flat on their face. Um, you know, and now with, with Chelsea, you know, rumored this morning that uh, they're going to offer 80 million euro for Dusan Vlaovic at Juve and, and Juve's a whole nother show we're going to get into next week. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you wonder if it's bully spending more just to spend more or, um, or if this is kind of the football direction, they do need somebody that can score goals. They do need a real number nine. We were kind of saying this about City last year. Then they just go out and get two of them in Erling Holland and um, and uh, U- Julian Alvarez. Uh, you know, so they they answer that question and then they just score goals. They've scored so far ninety two goals this season um, in the Premier League itself. So that it's you know it's something to be said about having a real number nine that can that can bang goals for you. And and I think Chelsea see that as next, but. Um, I don't, the only thing I don't have, and I regret not writing it down is what we had for relegation choices. Um, and, and I, I'm not, I sh- think, I, I, I think I can remember. I think, I think this is another one that we completely botched, uh, got, yeah, I got <laughs> wrong was Bournemouth. You know, I think they were among the, the, the favorite to go first and here they are yeah. comfortably mid table. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I do remember distinctly saying Bournemouth in that uh, bunch. I want to say forced as well. I think we both kind of. We might have had forced, uh, you know. So I think I, I, I think I left them on behind. I think I, I think yeah. I said Everton and Southampton. That one, those two, well, Southampton already happened, so that yes. one I could definitely be happy about. But uh, it's the Everton one that is still up there. I'll, I'll have to go back and do my homework, uh, you know, and check that out and see what we what we said. I have those recordings. I could probably find them pretty quick. So, um, but yeah, so so let's 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 do a little bit of predicting here. Uh, first question to you: Does Liverpool actually get into the top four and get to Champions League? No, I agree. I don't think so either. I think. Uh, I, I, okay, now let me ask you a follow up. Does Jurgen Klopp get sacked? That's the big question. Uh, no, no. I think he gets one chance to perhaps change the squad a bit. Okay. Um, having said that, if they don't make top four next season, then I do think he gets sacked. But I think now. Mm. Even that, even that, I don't even think he gets signed. I think he, I think he's still someone that leaves on his own, on his own self. Really, I don't, okay. I don't know. I just feel like he's he's gained so much love from Liverpool fans that if he's gonna leave, he's gonna leave on his own. But yeah. you know, again, what have you done for me lately? As we've said over the years, yeah. I would not be surprised about that. But no, I think this season he um, will remain a Liverpool manager, and I think at the start of the next season. He will also be Liverpool manager. I, I think. I think it's for me. It's literally percentage wise. It's fifty one forty nine. I think he stays, and I think it's by the skin of his teeth. And um, but I think the leash is short next year. Do you know what I mean? If they get off to a a terrible start, maybe you know a win, two draws, and two losses from the first five matches, I, I could I could see Jurgen Klopp getting sacked. Maybe even losing the first round of the Europa League or something crazy like that. Um, I could see um, them parting ways with Jurgen Klopp sooner than later. Um, we know that in England, um, you know, in most leagues uh, in Europe, they're they're very quick to pull the trigger, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think that you know he would if he does remain for next season, I think you would make him the odds-on favorite as the first manager to be sacked. I, I think that would be something for sure that 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 would happen. Uh, last question, England. Before we run over to France, <clears throat> Everton, Leeds, and Leicester. 
Uh, which two? Uh, which two go down? <sighs> this one's tough. This one's really tough. Um, well, we're speaking right now. Uh, obviously, this is this is live radio for us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton. Sorry, West Ham is winning two one over Leeds yep. in the eighty. Sorry, fifty fifth minute. Sorry, eighty fifth minute. Wow, never mind. I'm, I'm looking back. So unless Leeds turn around in the next few minutes, uh, it looks like that Everton might indeed be safe. Um, especially after getting that draw yesterday. They still have to play one more game against Bournemouth, the Bournemouth side. That, <laughs> hard to believe. We thought that this was a side that was going to get relegated, but nope, they're the ones that are in control of their destiny. Leeds have to play. Um, they Spurs. have one more game against uh, Tottenham, yep. you know, so a Tottenham side that's also playing for something a bit more. Um, and then you have a Leicester side that have to play Newcastle tomorrow, so that's that's one up there. And they have to play West Ham. So, again, another team... Uh, that have to face uh, a West Ham side uh, that is fighting for relegation. But I think it stays the same. I think it's Leeds and Leicester. Who, you know, it's sad well, for, for two parts. One, because obviously as Americans, you know, seeing the whole Jesse March part experiment and seeing the likes of Adams, Aronson, and McKenney. I mean, I was going to go back to Juventus either way. Either way, but still, you know, kind of sad to see the kind of a side that Americans have kind of really taken a... A sympathy, you know, sympathy with, and then Leicester, you know, certainly a side that you know completed that kind of like miracle season of winning the Premier League and won a few titles here and then. I think they won the FA Cup a couple of years ago, and now they're going to go back to the Championship. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's sad to see, but I think unfortunately, I think Leeds and Leicester, the two L's. We'll take two L's and definitely go down to the uh, championship. Agreed. I, I don't have much more to add there. Um, you know, it's, and again, like you said, it's sad. Uh, the United States of Leeds, um, you know, going Leeds down. the United States of America. Leeds the United States of America. And, uh, and then Leicester with their magical run, uh, you know, two teams that won't be, won't be there probably next season. I think I agree with you. And uh, it's unfortunate. So, uh, again, one more week left in the Premier League. Let's run over to, the, to League One uh, quickly. And giving you that quick rundown, uh, PSG all all but set to uh, to close that out. They're currently six points ahead of Lens, uh, a Lens side that really, for me, Roberto, had no business being second all season. But yet here they are uh, with uh, with a couple matches to play, uh, sitting two points ahead of Marseille. Marseille currently in the uh, in the playoff position for Champions League. PSG are going to win this. I, I think there's no doubt. There's always going to be the Lionel Messi question moving forward next season. But this one, I think, is PSG first. Lens is going to end up in some form of Champions League play, which I think is an incredible accomplishment. Possibly one of the biggest uh, accomplishments we're going to see in European football this year that Lens not only gets promoted, but then actually works their way into the Champions League. Uh, Marseille currently set third. They're pretty safe ahead of Monaco. Monaco going to lock up. Um, we're trying to lock up a, a European spot because they are two points ahead of Lille and uh, three points ahead of Rena. Uh, Lyon, I think, are going to be out of this. The, you know, they currently sit at 59 points, um, and then from there, there's a fall off to Claremont and a few other teams. But then the bottom of the bottom of the table, because we are relegating a fourth side this year um, in 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 uh, in Ligon, we have not uh, currently battling for their lives. Uh, one point behind Auger. Auger is at 34 points. This is the the matchup to go uh, down into Ligue 2. So. Uh, let, let's start at the top. I'd like your thoughts on Lens and, and their season so far. Um, how much of the top of the table changes? And then we'll talk about uh, Auger or Nantes uh, possibly going down. Yeah, I mean, first of all, go to Lens. I mean, what a wonderful season for them. I mean, certainly this was a side that I think if we remember in our prediction, I think they were only, you know, really a side that they were going to be completely mid-table. But here they are under manager Frank Hayes, you know, really you know doing the job and, and doing well. I really like the likes of... Um, Louis Openda, the, the the Belgian striker, he seems to be like a, a young talent, you know, 23 years old. I think a lot of people are going to have to really focus on. I think he scored this season the the fastest hat trick in league uh, history. You know, he scored it in like four minutes and 30 seconds. So that's someone that clearly has a lot of huge potential. And so keeping an eye on him, and and you know, certainly what's going to happen to this lens side moving forward with the Champions League. You know, getting their kind of money and. That kind of helps, you know, ease a lot of attractiveness. And, you know, you look at sides that, like you said, maybe are not in those positions like Lyon, Lille, Monaco, you know, them trying to fight it out to head off to um, 
to, to you know European competitions as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big surprise. I mean, certainly my big surprise. I think we had predicted this as well during the the start of the season. Is is Rennes really? You know, right outside of it. I thought they were going to really push PSG for that uh, position. And I don't remember what our predictions were for top four, but I think I definitely put them in there in that position. Uh, shout out to Toulouse. You know, they're going to go to Europa League next season because they won the Coupe de la. France, so that that helps them. Even if they do, they're not going to get relegated, obviously. But you know, they're obviously in a position to be another European uh, team to, to sorry, another French team to participate in the Europa League. So that kind of helps them. But yeah, Nantes is the big surprise, really. You know, this was a side that finished ninth last season. I think some people, I think even our guest in our in our show during our preview, Jonathan Jonathan Johnson, also said that they were a side to to look out for and here they are you know really trying their best not to get relegated so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's sad to see and we'll have to wait and see what happens in these next few games uh for for nods I mean, you know certainly they still got to to capture that and yeah unless Algiers really pulls off some sort of like collapse i i think they are destined to go down to, to league yeah you know um Jonathan Johnson did mention that you wanted to watch out for Lens in in that matchup. We all had PSG winning it, um, and some form of Marseille and Monaco in the top four, uh, and Rena as well. So Rena finishing sixth is the only one that's upset that apple cart for us uh, versus Lens. Uh, but otherwise, and again, Rennes can still finish fifth. They're only one point behind Lille in that position. So, with a couple matches to play, this is you know this is a pretty tight spot. And again, I would agree. Not finishing ninth last year, and all of a sudden just. Um, totally having a, a terrible time of it, uh, you know, losing three of their last four matches. Uh, you know, th- this is going to be a spot that is going to be difficult for them to overcome. I also want to point out Lens, one way they've done it, not only like you'd mentioned with the goal scoring, they, they've only conceded 27 goals this season, best by by significant amount in um, in Ligue 1. So, you know, they've done it defensively as well, only lost four matches, which is also um, a top number for Ligue 1 this season. The next best team, of course, PSG, they've only lost six matches, but um, Lens are going to, they've an incredible season for them. You, really, when you look at it statistically all the way around, uh, my one question to you, Auger, Nantes, who goes down? Nantes. I think it's Nantes. I'm going to be the naysayer. I'm going to go with Auger uh, and say that they go down uh, instead. Uh, you know, not slightly better defensively that one of those last matches, and I didn't look at the, the total uh, schedules here. I'm going to look at it really quick uh, in terms of their uh, last remaining fixtures. They've got Lille and they've got Angers. You know, as their last two matches, there is potential, you know, obviously the Lille uh, match is going to be difficult for them. But uh, I think ultimately, I think they pull it off. So um, we'll have to see if we get that one right at the end of next weekend. But uh, certainly, again, the the bright spot here that we want to talk about uh, is Lens finishing second uh, at the moment. Um, But we'll definitely finish in a Champions League spot of some form uh, moving into the next season. Let's talk about the uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? Uh, which which is Germany, because yesterday Bayern Munich fumbled again, uh, losing three one to RB Leipzig, opening the door. And again, like you mentioned, at the time of recording, uh, Dortmund have not kicked off their match yet against Augsburg. However, this is um, this is a spot where Dortmund, with a win today, can uh, can move forward pull into first place and and set up a last week um drama that we're kind of used to seeing in the Bundesliga just usually not in this spot uh you know you've got uh you've got Leipzig that's going to finish on 63 points or at least they have 63 points they're going to finish in a Champions League spot Union Berlin and Freiburg are currently tied on 59 points for that final spot for the Champions League the other one going to go down to Europa for sure um, and that's something to play for. And then we look at Bayer Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, and Eintracht Frankfurt, all separated by two points. Bayer Leverkusen do have an extra match in there. Um, that is something uh, you know to, to definitely keep an eye on. At the bottom of the table, it wouldn't be the Bundesliga without talking about the bottom of the table. Stuttgart on 30, Schalke on 31, Bochum on 32. Two of these teams, one of these teams is definitely going down. One of them is going to end up in the playoff. And the other one's going to be safe. So I want to get your thoughts first 
on the I don't want it, you can have it title race that is the <laughs> Bundesliga between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, it feels as if though we're just looking at the, the battle of the butlers really here in the uh, in the Bundesliga because certainly it seems like a league that nobody really wants to win. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, obviously looking at how it um, really has been able to to look at as a whole just you know, I think we've all been so accustomed to Bayern's kind of success recently that, you know, I think some of us are really hoping, aside from Dortmund fans, uh, sorry, from Bayern fans, that they really want to to see this kind of collapse, in a way, um, from Bayern Munich. So, I, I think it really is going to be something that I, I think, you know, today, here we are speaking just an hour before Bayern, uh, Dortmund's match against Oxford. It's not going to have Jude Bellingham due to injury. But you you think, you would think on the final day, like, you know, I'm trying to look real quick at, like, the final match days. You got Dortmund taking on Mainz, a Mainz side that are currently, you know, mid-table, not fighting for anything. You got a Bayern Munich side taking on Cologne, who are also not fighting for anything. So you got two mid-table sides there mm-hmm. fighting for, for something more. Um Sorry, not fighting for anything. So it feels as if though for Dortmund, this is this is the opportunity that they cannot miss. And yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I think it's Dortmund's year. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it right there. I, I it's dangerous to really trust a Dortmund side because every time that there's always some sort of collapse by Bayern Munich, that. It's like okay, it's inevitable. Dortmund are going to do it. They're going to they're going to do something. But you know what? I I just think it's like Bayern Munich are just giving all these opportunities. They surely cannot collapse now. It it, it just it can't. And I'm going to say it there. I I think Dortmund and you know with Bayern and their kind of issues that they've had all season. You know, changing from Nagelsmann to Tuchel. You know, and and just really this whole kind of like sh- like absolute collapse. I mean, I think it has to be done. You know, and I and I want to see it done. I want to see Eden Inter um, win this. You know, with this Dortmund side who you know had lost someone that is, that just broke all the records in the Premier League. They've always been kind of the the little brother to Bayern as like always coming too short. You know, first title after eleven. Sorry, tw- yeah, eleven years. I mean. It has to be done, Joe. Surely, like I mean, we're we're all hoping that it can be done at least as as neutrals of the of the game without any affiliation with Bayern Munich. That is, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to make this sound like we're rooting against Bayern Munich so much as that we're rooting for Borussia Dortmund, right? I mean, and you think about Dortmund, like you'd mentioned, losing Erling Holland, uh, you know, early on, and uh, you know, trying to replace that. They had obviously the the rough start with Sebastian Allaire with the cancer. Uh, diagnosis uh you know they lose him yeah after a wonderful champions league that he had the previous year that you know the Gio Reyna stuff uh that's happened for him both on and off the pitch um you know which has been a major distraction and yet here they are uh you know here they are a team that's had to rotate the team that's had to rebuild and reuse and and reinvent and uh and now they have done it to the point where they're uh it's in their grasp, right? It's in their hands and, and it's in their own destiny. And, and like I said, I, I don't know so much that we are rooting against Bayern Munich, uh, so much as that we are rooting for Borussia Dortmund on this point. I do want to say one thing though. Um, I think Bayern Munich sacking Julian Nagelsmann when they did, when the season is over and, and Dortmund goes back and, and we look back on this entirety of a Bundesliga season, for me, I think that is, one of the biggest mistakes Bayern Munich made uh, this season. And I, and again, you and I are not privy to what happens behind closed doors in, in locker rooms and in, in front offices. So we can't speak to that. But to me, there was a bit of a, um, a spirit change in this, in this Bayern Munich side when that happened. And, and it was not a change for the good. And I'm not saying Thomas Tuchel is a bad manager because right now I think everybody at Chelsea Football Club would give their right arm to have Thomas Tuchel back behind the bench. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's a Tuchel thing so much as it is uh, as it is, was a poorly thought um, and timed change. What are your thoughts? Do you think the Nagelsmann um, change really signaled uh, the downhill slope for Bayern Munich? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, all this kind of change that happens. And, you know, this isn't to say that Tuchel's a bad manager. I think there's also some issues that have been going on, Ed, from an administration point of view. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, personally, I'd say so. Yeah. I'm looking at it, how it, how it really fared out. And here we are speaking, you know, hopefully on maybe on the day that Dortmund do indeed break the duck and, and be able to, to win the Bundesliga. I'd say, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge factor in all of this. So two questions that I'm going to throw at you. Um, Union Berlin, Freiburg, both on 59 points, both one match to play. Union Berlin uh, face Werder Bremen. Uh, Freiburg face Eintracht Frankfurt. Which one is going to the Champions League next year? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, as Americans, we'd like to see Union Berlin just to see Jordan Peefock mm. make it. Um, but... You know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say Union Berlin. I'd say I, they do it. I think so as well, only because uh, Freiburg have Eintracht Frankfurt, and Frankfurt still have an outside opportunity to sneak into that Conference League uh, position. So there's something to play for for both teams there, where, like you said, Union Berlin facing Werder Bremen. Bremen are not going anywhere. They are done. Uh, they're locked in. So I think that's going to be the case. Uh, Bochum, Stuttgart, Schalke. Which one is relegated, which one is safe, and which one is in a playoff? Uh, God. Last matches for all of them. Uh, Bochum have Leverkusen uh, fighting for that Conference League spot. Uh, Schalke have Leipzig, uh, who have pretty much locked into where they are. And Stuttgart have Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, uh, 35 points, 13th place, uh, sort of locked in, not playing for anything. Uh, Stuttgart's at home, Schalke on the road, Bochum at home. I think it remains the same. Bochum safe, Schalke playoff, Bochum Stuttgart safe, going. Safe, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna flip flop, um, Schalke and Bochum. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Bochum end up in the playoff spot, Schalke end up, uh, safe. Stuttgart unfortunately are out, and and I think that's amazing to see another massive club in Germany go down again. Um. You know, we saw it with Hamburg. Now we're going to see it with Stuttgart. Uh, and, and we saw it with Schalke. And they came back, and here they are in danger again. So, um, But I think that's the way it's going to go. Schalke are going to be safe. Bochum are going to end up in the playoff. Stuttgart will be relegated to the second Bundesliga. So uh, Next week, we will, look at, uh, we will look as closely at Spain and Italy as, uh, like you said, they still have two weeks to go. Um, and we'll also figure out oh, oh, one more question. Bayern or Dortmund? Who wins? Dortmund, Dortmund. Dortmund. Please. Hopefully, I, Dortmund. I, I'm going to actually go with Dortmund. I think I think they do it this time. I think they're focused enough that uh, that they do it. So, and again, like I said, next week Italy, Spain. We're going to close out those uh, leagues as these leagues get ready to play their last week. So, uh, let's bring in our guest here. Earlier, we were able to have Carlo Garganese from the Italian Football Podcast join us. To talk about the Italian success in the Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League. Uh, of course, we did a little bashing of Juve because we're allowed to. Um, and we did get to talk some manager stuff, which I think is interesting as well because of the uh, of some potential changes going on in Italy. So, without further ado, the Carlo Garganese interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from the Italian Football Podcast, Carlo Garganese. Garganese uh, Carlo, welcome to the show. I'm sorry I stumbled all over that. Um, it is great to have <laughs> Everyone you back. Everyone does it. Everybody does it. Don't worry. Yeah, but I'm Italian, so I'm supposed to get that right. Um, but it's great to have you on, mate. After we've had, it's been a while since we've had you on. And I want to jump in. I think this is a perfect time to have you on because right now we are looking at three of the six uh, teams in the European competition finals, all coming from the Serie A. Could have been four um, if it was not for an Allegri mess class, but we can dive into that later. But you look at uh, everyone wants to say that you know the EPL, the Premier League, is the best league in the world, and blah blah blah. And we can debate that if we want. But with Italy putting three teams in uh, in the finals here, is this an indication that maybe the Serie A is either on its way back or is back as being one of the best leagues in the world? Uh, I think it's too premature. I mean, it's 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 one season. I mean, it's fantastic for all us uh, Italian football fans, Serie A fans. You know, to be able to see three Italian teams in the in the finals of the three competitions is is fantastic. It, it, it's a bit nostalgic for me because when I grew up in you know my childhood in the nineties, 
and the early 2000s, you know, this was what we got every single year, year after year. We had Italian teams in the finals of all the competitions. And so, you know, it's been so long since I experienced that. It's kind of like I'd almost forgotten, you know, that this is this is what used to happen all the time. So that's that's great. We should enjoy it and embrace it. And let's hope that, you know, our teams can 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 finish the job and and, and win in the finals. Um, but to say that Italian football is back, Serie A is back, you know, it's one season. Uh, it's one season. You know, we need to see Serie A do this over a course of two, three years or more consistently before we can say that yeah, Italian football is back. I think this season Italian football's done great. They've definitely reaped the rewards of, of some, for some of the clubs like Napoli, uh, like Milan, certainly the, the, the planning, the projects that those clubs have, have put into place. Um, you know, they, they've definitely reaped the rewards. But at the same time, I think also, you know, it has been a little bit of circumstance as well. Um, this season that, you know, the Premier League, as you said, is the most powerful and richest league in the world. It's on another planet in terms of power and riches. Um, you know, it's had all of its clubs, with the exception of City, have had, that were in the Champions League, have had complete disastrous seasons, you know, transitional seasons where they've been way off it. Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, you know, Tottenham, you know, so it's been, the, the road has been a little bit more open um, for for the Italian teams, they got quite good draws or very good draws. Let's be honest in the knockout stages of the, the of the Champions League, uh, you know, in the Europa League, you know, some of the big teams went out before our teams played them. If I'm thinking again from the Premier League, I'm thinking like Manchester United, I'm thinking Arsenal, you know, uh, Barcelona, um, you know, these teams went out before they played our teams. Um, so you know, a little bit circumstance, but also you know, fantastic work from from our guys. Um, but to say, yeah, it's to say that Italian football's back, absolutely not. We know all the problems that there are in Italian football. We know the financial problems. We know all the problems, you know, with the stadiums, with the bureaucracy off the pitch, the racism, you know, all these things, the commercial side of things, uh, TV revenue. I mean, those problems are still there. You know, I'm going to I'm going to follow up with a personal question, because for me, um, I'm in an in Italy or a Serie A first person. So when we get into these European competitions, if if my team, if Juventus is not there, I, I am rooting for the Romas of the world. And I'm rooting for the Fiorentinas because for me, and, and unfortunately, I'm rooting for the Inters of the world. But for me, <laughs> it's, it's because the the high profile nature of these competitions and these finals really brings an extra eyeball. It can kind of jumpstart a league in terms, in terms of finances. Um, the bigger players, if you see it, uh, teams from a, a specific league constantly making these runs at these finals, it, it does nothing to, but more than improve the league. Now I know there are others that are like, no, I'm a Milanista or an I'm an Interista or I'm, you know, for me it's Juventus or bust and I get it. Okay. But for me, I'm a, I'm a, Italy first kind of guy. So my question to you is, are you an Italy first kind of guy or would you rather see Juve win and then, you know, everyone else can go in the trash? I'm Italy first all the way. I've been banging on that drum throughout my time in the industry and throughout my time as a football fan since I was a kid. Um, you know, and this is where some uh, Italian football fans, uh, I don't know if I would say many, but too many Italian football fans are just so short sighted and they just don't get it. And they just don't get it at all. And they never will, uh, especially those that are in Italy, that the idea of collective strength, they just do not get. And it's the same with the league. It's the same with the people running the league, that they would rather be fighting against each other and and bringing each other down rather than collectively working together to make Serie A as strong as possible as it is. Uh, and, you know, a strong league means that everybody ends up being successful in Europe. When Serie A was the best league in the world, in the in the 1980s and 1990s and the early 2000s, you know, there was a piece of everyone to do well in Europe. You know, one year it might have been Juventus winning in Europe. The next year it was Milan. The next year it was it was Inter. It was uh, it was Parma. It was Lazio. It was uh, you know Sampdoria. You know, there was a chance for everyone because the league was collectively strong. Now, if everybody doesn't work together, we've got no hope of ever having a strong league and everybody doing well you know yes we've done well this season but you know my feeling is that this is more of going to be more of a one-off than a, than a, than it's going to be the more of the exception than it is going to be the rule going forward so so absolutely i'm, I'm italy first um, i wish that everyone would work together and and yes there's fandom there's always going to be rivalry there's always going to be the kind of banter which is what makes football special that's great we want we don't want to get rid of that but we do also want to you know we want to 
the league to do well because if the league does well brings in more 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 revenue commercially sponsorships uh players get attracted to the league um you know all that kind of stuff which makes the league better absolutely um which is why i go crazy which is why it drives me mad when i see fans that are celebrating their rivals you know doing badly or or, or in financial trouble or you know when there's you know stuff with juventus and they're talking about them getting uh, maybe relegated or through a points penalty, heavy points penalties, and they're all celebrating. And you know, it's, this is why we, when I, when when there was reports that Juventus might get a points penalty that's heavy enough to turn them to Serie B, and I saw these fans celebrate. You know, it's like turkeys voting for Christmas. <laughs> you know, because you have Juventus out of the league, then the, the 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 TV revenue, the sponsorship deals, the players that are interested in the league, the the reputation of the league, the brands that want to work with the league, all that kind of stuff, just completely takes a huge massive hit absolutely destroys the league you know and that's bad for everyone that brings down the financial uh, revenue that everything of, of the whole league so absolutely yeah i just wish that everybody was was more like that so let's look at some of these let's look at the three italian teams that will be participating for a european title let's start with the big dogs the one fighting for the big years as we like to say uh it's inter milan you know inter playing for their in their first Champions League final for the first time in 13 years since they won that trouble under Jose Mourinho, here they are, really in a in a in, in a really a, a season that I think most of people and Joe maybe you can correct me on this one, they no one expected them even to get into the round of 16. They were if you remember they were in a tough group with them, uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona. You know it was that battle to really go into it. There they had to go through two European uh, two European and Portuguese giants in Porto and Benfica. Then they defeat their crosstown rivals in in Milan, and now they set up for this final against Manchester City. It's been a weird season for Simone Inzaghi. You know that they're, they're probably going to definitely finish in the top four in the Serie A. Uh, it was really uh, a case of them being in that situation. They did win the Supercoppa Italia, uh, Italiana as well uh, this season, uh, Carlo. So I just want your assessment of how you've seen Inter this season, and, and really just how they got here and. You know, we're still a couple of weeks until the actual final, but is there any chance that Inter can indeed upset the the big favorites that it definitely is Manchester City? <laughs> well, if you listen to the UK media, it's Inter might as well not even bother turning up because the the final's won already and the the medals have already been handed out basically. Um, so, uh, is listen, it's going to be very very difficult. Um, I mean, City are. Uh, I don't think anybody doubts that they're the best team in Europe. They've got the best manager. Um, they play, you know, incredible football. They're in an incredible form at the moment, and I think they're unbeaten for for almost four months. And they're on an incredible run of wins. Uh, and you know, they look. You watch their performance against Real Madrid. They looked, they looked scary. Let's be honest. Um, so it is going to be very, very difficult for for Inter. But you know, it's it's a final, uh, and. Inter themselves are in fantastic form themselves. And Inter, as we're recording this on Saturday, have won uh, eight wins in a row. Um, but their form in, in Europe has been magnificent. I mean, they got out of the group of death. Nobody gave them a hope of getting out of a group with Bayern and Barcelona. And they did. They did so. Uh, and and they've conceded, you know, they've got the most clean sheets, got eight clean sheets in the competition. They've only conceded in one of their knockout games. Um, of course, it's going to be a step up for them now um, from everyone that they've, they've faced until now. But, um, you know, I, I think that I think that they've got they've got enough in their team and in their squad to to to, to potentially win this. Yes, absolutely. I think they've got the weapons. They've got a, they've got a great defence. They've got the midfield that will run. They won't be like Real Madrid's midfield where they did no running, um, no pressure on the ball. Uh, and they do have, you know, they do have match winners. Um, you know, they've got they've got goals in their team. Uh, they could even end up the Serie A season as the highest scorers, even more than Napoli, potentially. So, you know, they've got the weapons there. They've got experience as well. Uh, a lot of their players have, have, if not in Champions League finals, but they've won World Cups. They've won European Championships. You know, they've been to latter stages of competitions. So, you know, the ingredients are there. Um, but we have to also be honest that, you know, City are definitely strong favorites but it's it's definitely possible do you do you feel as if though a one-off match you know helps inter or do you think that they hurt it hurts them a bit as well oh no it helps definitely i mean would you rather play the best team over two legs or would you rather play them over one leg i mean you rather play them over one leg uh, and also because inzaghi has 
look at his record in in one-off games in finals. I mean, absolutely fantastic, uh, better than Pep Guardiola actually. So, you know, he's he's he he as a strategist and as a one-off, you know, managing games in one-off games, he's done so well in Zaghi. Of course, again, this is at a total new level now. Um, so, you know, we can't compare it to Coppa Italia finals and 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 these kind of games. But but it's you know his record. He, he is a cup manager. Uh, and there is a great togetherness and there's a unity and there's a great hunger there uh, at, at Inter. So, you know, and it is on a neutral venue. You know, it's not being played at the Etihad. <laughs> I mean, if it's played at the Etihad, I'd give Inter no chance. But, you know, it's, it's played on a neutral venue. Uh, and and so, yeah, everything can, can happen. So looking at the other game that really is for the, the cha- to go into the Champions League next season, we have, I think for me, out of the three you know, finals that we're going to see. I think this is the one that is the most intense and definitely the most tasty one out of the, th- out of the three because you got Sevilla, you know, the darlings of the Europa League. They've never lost it. They played in six finals, won all six. But they take on a manager of this Roma side in Jose Mourinho who's never lost a European final. So this is this is a, a really a big clash here. And for Roma, you know, this is a case where, you know, they come in as, you know, right now the reigning uh, Conference League champions are going to lose that, obviously, because they're now going for the Europa League. But, you know, in a season where I think more expectation was given to this Roma side to really go into top four, it's not likely that they're going to do it. They're probably going to head into a European competition. Maybe the Europa League, maybe the Conference League come next season. But this is the best opportunity for this Roma side to go into the Champions League. How do you see this coming about? And really just this whole season, really, the the second season for for Jose Mourinho as as Roma manager. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's done well. I think he's done well. I mean, you know, if you just take the European competitions, when he took over at Roma, they hadn't been in a European final for 31 years, uh, 1991. Uh, yeah, 31 years. And uh, now he's taken them to successive finals. Um, you know, so, okay, it's the Conference League. It's not the biggest competition. Uh, the Europa League, it's, you know, it's a big competition, but it's not massive, but still, it's, it's amazing. Um, achievement um, from 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 Mourinho. Uh, the league, I think he has kind of sacked off the league in recent weeks. He's gone for the glory of the Europa League, um, which is fine, you know, if it pays off. Um, but overall, I think he's done it. He's done a good job. I think he's done a good job at Roma. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's done an amazing job, but he's definitely done a good job. Uh, and if he wins the Europa League final, then he'll go down as a legend um, at, at Roma. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I feel confident that they can do it. I really do. I think uh, you know they've got the they've got the right manager. If they can just get some of their you know injured players back, and they're not because they're getting too many injuries at the moment, Roma, which is a bit of a concern. But you know if they can just make sure they've got you know the players fit that they need. Um, Dybala, hopefully, is you know he's been really struggling for the last month with his fitness. Get him fit in the next couple of weeks. Get some minutes under his belt. Um, you know I think they've absolutely. Uh, I think they can do it. I think they can do it because. Sevilla, I'm not. I, I think I don't think they're a strong team. Sevilla, and I think it's a big failure from Juventus not knocking out this Sevilla team. I know Sevilla have been in improved form recently with the new manager, um, but you know this is a team that's been fighting against relegation for most of the season. They're a team that's still 11th in the table now, and I just think that they I don't think the defence is strong at all. I mean Juventus, a Juventus team that was just defending uh, with a low block still created five. Huge chances, six maybe, huge chances in the in the, the second leg. Juventus should have beaten them. I think it's a big failure from Juventus. And I think that Roma, yeah, Roma are I think I think Roma can do it. I do. I'm confident that Roma can win this can win this final. And if they do, that'll be fantastic. And hopefully Italy will have Serie A will then have five teams in the in the Champions League next year. And now looking at a side that could indeed win multiple uh, titles, according as well as Inter, you know they'll be playing the Coppa Italia final as well. Another side looking for for two trophies this season. Well, you know technically Inter's already won one, but Fiorentina, you know they could definitely go for a domestic a double in this case because they could win the Coppa Italia final in a couple of days and against Inter. But they'll be playing the Conference League final against West Ham United. So you know this is a, a quite an interesting season for uh, Vincenzo Italiano. You know really going into the side, especially. Being their first full season without Dusan Valovic, in comes uh, Arta Cabral, who scored 16 goals in all competitions. I mean, how have you really assessed this this Fiorentina side and and just given their I guess chances for for to win the the Conference League against West Ham? 
Well, they've, they've hit form at the right time. They had a really, really bad first half of the season. Terrible first half of the season. Way down in the league, even close to the relegation, quite close to the relegation zone for a while coming into the new year. Um, but they've turned it around in 2023 and they've been, you know, one of the informed teams in Europe, really, um, Fiorentina. And um, they, they, they've sorted out their, their attack, which had been a big, big problem this season. Weirdly, last season, it was the defence that was the problem. This season, for much of the season, uh, it was the attack where I still think that they're short on quality in attack. But Italiano has managed to, to work out a way. To, to get those attackers firing and scoring. And Nico Gonzalez, who'd been injured for much of the season, they've got him fit. He's hit in form. And, and I think he is the one player in attack who who definitely could play for a bigger club uh, from Fiorentina. Cabral has, like you said, he's hit form in 2023. He's got a lot of goals in 2023. So he's got the attack going. We know that the midfield has got quality. We know what a great player Amrabat is. He'll join a big club in the summer for sure. Um, but I think the strength of Fiorentina is, the, you know, the... I think what their, their manager is a very, very talented manager. He's a very talented manager. He's, he's, he's not a complete manager. He's not, he's not yet the full package. You know, we, we see that he can be naive. We can see that Fiorentina letting, still letting too many goals sometimes. We've seen that in Europe with some of their collapses in a couple of games um, in the, the last two rounds, in which could have been costly, but they managed to still managed to get through um, against Lech Poznan and Basel. Um, but... You know some of the p- patterns of play, some of the the, the, the movements and the, the team moves and the, the domination of the territory and the possession, you know, controlling the game. I mean, you know, they have a lot of shots every game. I mean, you know, that's down to the manager. I think he he definitely has something special there. It's, if he can develop, I think he has the potential to to definitely manage a big club and do well at a big club if he can can develop some of the weaker sides of his games. But as an as an attacking manager. Um, I think he's. I think he's. He's. A, he's. He's. There's a lot of quality there, at Italiano. And as for the final itself, I mean, it's a clash of ideologies. It's a clash of, between a manager that that likes to play football the right way, as some people would say. Not that there is a right or wrong way of playing football, but a manager that likes to dominate the the, the play and the, the ball and and create chances and attack versus a manager who you know I've jokingly called him the, the Scottish Allegri. He's he's no identity. He's very kind of you know defensive low block and counter and set pieces and and you know physical you know that's what David Moyes is uh, and that's you know so it's going to be a clash of styles this final of course West Ham are the favourites they're the Premier League team they've got you know they've got the big money players in their team um, but you know I, I don't see I don't see any reason again why Fiorentina can't can't win this can't win this final Um I don't. I don't see no reason at all. I think they've got the quality and they play better football than West Ham. Uh, you know, let's if they can take their chances and cut out stupid mistakes, especially defending off set pieces, things like that. Yes, I think they can win this one. You know, Carlo, I want to jump in here because um, I, I want to close that out with uh, one quick question: of the of the Italian teams that are in the finals, how many Italian teams actually bring home trophies uh, in this run? And you don't have to tell me who or which ones you think, but they bring home one, two, or three trophies. I think realistically, I, I say one or two. Okay. I say one or two. I would love to say three, um, but I think I'm confident we'll, we'll. I'm confident that the Europa League and Conference League will definitely win one of those. Okay. I'm not going to say both. I'm confident we'll win at least one. So if I can say one and a half, that's what I'll say. But I think three. <laughs> All three is 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 going to be difficult. I hope I hope I hope I'm wrong. Well, there's your betting line: one and a half trophies, and uh, <laughs> yeah. that makes it easy. I want to I want to go back because I want to I want to just ask you a couple quick questions about managers now in Italy because we're winding down the season. We've obviously got these teams in uh in, in European competitions. I, I want to start off and go back to Vincenzo Italiano because of the job that he's done at Fiorentina, where he's taken this team to the Conference League finals. Um, and, and, and I think you described it perfectly. He's a great manager. He's a brilliant manager. He's not a complete manager yet. Um, is this his last season at Fiorentina and does he look to leave to go get another job or is, uh, is he going to stay one more year and maybe fine tune those skills and become the complete manager that would uh, attract a major club? It's a difficult one. I think it could depend on if he wins a trophy or if he wins mm. trophies. Um, if he wins, wins trophies if he wins two trophies i mean there's nowhere else to go really is there with with, with fiorentina i mean he's not gonna he's not gonna top that mm-hmm. if he was to lose both finals maybe he's like right i want to stay here and finish the job um but i think the exposure that he's going to get from playing in a 
in a European final and also the way that the team plays, I think it's inevitable he's he's going to get offers from from big clubs, not just in Italy but but abroad. There's going to be interest in him. So it all comes down to to whether you know he he wants to stay for another year or whether he you know he listens to and, and accepts one of those offers. Who depends on who the offers who the offers come from? I have no doubt at all that he is going to get he he's going to get offers from from. From, from more lucrative clubs, put it that way, teams that are going to offer to pay more money. Uh, I've, no, I've no doubt about that because I think this is one of the most kind of promising managers that there is in not just in Italian football, but you know in European football. That there's, there's no doubt about the potential of this venture. He's not complete. He has weaknesses, uh, certainly in the defensive phase. Um, but you know what he what he can create. There's no doubt about his quality. Ooh. One of those bigger clubs could potentially be uh, Napoli because the rumors right now are that Luciano Spalletti might be on his way out after you know such an incredible season in Naples. Uh, do you see Spalletti leaving, and where do you think he would go as if he if he does leave? I hope not. I hope not. I mean, I don't have any inside information on this. Um, I, I do understand that Ossiman and Kim Min Jae are both likely to leave. That's my understanding with Spalletti kind of come as a little bit of a shock the last few days, what I've been reading. I don't know anything about that personally. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hope not. I mean, I hope it's just a bit of a storm in the teacup between him and De Laurentiis. And, you know, maybe it's more about the, uh, Spalletti trying to get a salary increase, which which he absolutely deserves after what he's done this season. Maybe it's about that, that this often happens with agents and managers who... You know, they pro- they threaten or they plant stories in the media about them potentially leaving. Same with players in order to get that salary increase. So my my hunch is that it's that's what it's about. I hope that's what it's about, because I think it would be a shame if it, if he leaves. Um, if he does leave, then, yeah, I mean, Italiano absolutely could be an option. Um, certainly Italiano, De Zerbi, these type of coaches are the coaches that fit the philosophy of what Napoli have created in terms of buying these players, younger players and lesser known players and developing them into stars. That's what these managers are great at. Um, so, so yeah, is um, I think, he, he, yeah, I think absolutely he would be in the frame, whether he should get it is I'm not sure, but he should be in the frame. Yeah. Last managerial question I want to ask you, and I want to read you a, a tweet from a, a brilliant journalist that was tweeted on Thursday. And the tweet goes, the one positive of Juventus going out is surely it's untenable for Allegri to stay next season. Two years completely wasted on a coach. Anyone who understands football could see was outdated. Juve, cut your losses now and accept Allegri as a sunk cost. Don't waste another two years. That was written by you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so you know, we, we saw the results of, of Allegri ball. We've seen um, we've seen them constantly try to sit on one nil matches. Sometimes they're successful. Sometimes they're failures. Uh, and it seems like their failures at the very wrong times, case in point against Sevilla this past week. Uh, does I, I know many hope Allegri's gone, but does Juve finally cut losses and just say, you know what, Max, you're out? And if they do, who would you want to see come in? The worrying thing is the people that I've been speaking to at Juventus, inside Juventus, you know, I do have people that I know, sources there, that the management that there at the moment still unbelievably, even after going out to Sevilla, still he still has the trust of them, which I just I just it just I don't know what to say, because mm-hmm. if they, if he still has their trust now after two years, I mean, you know, it, it feels like he can almost do anything and have their trust. Um, so that, that that's what I'm hearing. Um, I, I the only hope I have at the moment is that. Cristiano Giuntoli, the, the Napoli sporting director, Juventus basically have, have come to an agreement with him to become the new sporting director, but it is dependent on Giuntoli uh, coming to an agreement with De Laurentiis in, in terms of um, leaving the club, severance and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So that's what needs to be sorted. If that happens, then Giuntoli will, will join Juventus. Um, it's all agreed between Giuntoli and Juventus. Uh, Giuntoli wants to join Juventus as well. Um, and, you know, my understanding is that Juntley doesn't feel like Allegri is the right man for him to work with in terms of what he wants to build at Juventus, which is totally understandable. You can see what he's done at Napoli, buying, developing younger players, players with that need to be developed. And Allegri's not a coach. He's not a developmental coach of players. We've seen that. He doesn't generally doesn't develop and improve players, certainly not young players, certainly not young 
offensive midfielders, attackers, those those kind of plays. He just doesn't do it. Um, so he is the, he's definitely the wrong coach to work with Junsley. Um, the question is, will Junsley have the power to to um, to sack Allegri? Will he have that power? That that isn't clear right now um, at all. So if he does, the hope is that Junsley will then make the decision and and get rid of Allegri. Uh, or Junsley can persuade those that do have the power above him to to make that call. But those people that there at the moment have the trust of Allegri. So I don't know. We also have to see what happens with the legal stuff. Will Juventus get what will their points penalty be? They're going to get a nine point penalty. I understand. But then you have the salary manoeuvres case, um, which they're pushing for more points penalties that might go over to next season. So what happens with that? Will Juventus be in Europe next season? My understanding also is that UEFA plan to ban Juventus from Europe. Um, so if they're not in Europe, well, again, what's the point of having Allegri? You'd rather have a coach that can develop players, but also will you will a coach be happy to go there if they're not in Europe? You know, there's all these, there's, a two, there's such uncertainty uh, at the moment at Juventus that I almost feel like we have to wait a couple more weeks before we know the answer to these questions. Uh, then the season's over, we know where they are on the table, we know what the, what the points penalty is and is likely to be. And and then, yeah, maybe we can answer this question more. But if you're telling me what should happen, absolutely, Allegri should not be the coach. They've wasted these two years. Uh, don't waste any more years. Unsettling times for the Bianconetti, to be sure. Carlo, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, again, everyone can find Carlo at the Italian Football Podcast, which is brilliant with our good friend Nima Tavale. Um, I'm glad you keep him in line. And uh, all, the, all the best to, to both Let's of try. you. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Um, not easy. But, but all the best to, to both of you and, and success to the show. And we look forward to having you back real soon, mate. Yeah, thanks, uh, Joe. Thanks, Roberto. Have, uh, yeah, have a great uh, end to the season. And uh, let's hope the Italian teams can, can do it. And special thanks again to Carlo Garganese for joining us on the show. Roberto, we have got a full setup of Match of the Week coming up. Like we had mentioned earlier, the U-20 World Cup uh, has kicked off this week. Uh, so definitely check your local listings because there are going to be matches every day to see there. Um, but let me give you the rest of the league. So on Wednesday, like we had mentioned, Spain have some midweek matches. And we're going to look at Betis and Hitafe at 4 p.m. That's going to be a relegation um you know, a match with relegation and implications in it. So we definitely want to highlight that to kick off Wednesday. And then on Saturday, Dortmund Mainz and Cologne Bayern Munich are for the championship. Relegation battles between Leipzig Schalke and Bochum Leverkusen. Those matches are all at 9.30 a.m. and Germany will close out their season. Then at 3 p.m., we're going to fast forward to Marseille Brest, Lenz Ajaccio, uh, which are Champions League spot uh matches that we're going to keep our eyes on as well as Lille, Nantes and Toulouse Auger. Those are relegation matches and those will all be at three o'clock. Then we'll go over to the United States where we've got a Texas battle between Houston and Austin FC at 8 30 PM. Then on Sunday, England closes things out with Everton Bournemouth and Leeds Tottenham Hotspur at 11.30 a.m. Those are your relegation uh, battles. We have Almeria Valladolid, uh, which is another um, relegation battle coming up at one o'clock in Spain. And we'll close out Sunday with Juve Milan, 2.45 p.m. with the word that uh, Juve might be getting uh, points deductions again, uh, you know, enough maybe to deduct them out of the uh, European positions. Milan will want to try and maximize their points against them. And, uh, and, and there's just a whole mess. There's going to be a lot of things to look at and play for in that match. So Juve Milan are going to close out next weekend at 2.45 p.m. Roberto, I gave you a question earlier in the show, which was, uh, you know, Carlo Ancelotti is the sixth highest paid manager this year in 2023, announcing he's coming back to Real Madrid. Can you give me the top five highest paid managers in world football? I can definitely give you number one because I feel like he's he's always on these lists and I've always seen on like Twitter or something that he's always up there. Um, the first one I'm going to give you is Atleti's Diego Simeone. He is the highest paid manager, 29.8 million pounds. There's some teams that don't have a salary uh, base that big and they pay that to one manager. He is number one by far. All right. And the next name I'm going to give you, and I'm not confident about this, but I feel like it's something up there. Uh, it is Jurgen Klopp. He's number three on the list, 15.7 million pounds. All right. The next name I'm going to give you is Pep Guardiola at Man City. Number two. He is 19.7 million pounds, 
10 million pounds less than Cholo Simeone. You've got right. the top three. Got to give me one? two more. Two more. All right. So this is the big one. So I don't think it's Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, no, he's sixth. Oh, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. It can't be him. Uh, I'm going to say I don't think it's in Italy. I don't think it's Allegri. Uh, I'm going to say – is it Frank Lampard? Frank Lampard is not on this list. Not on this list. Okay, so they're not This playing. list you can also be found uh, at Football Orbit. It was an article written April 1st of this year. I don't think it's Arteta. I don't think it's Arteta. It, it is not Arteta. Right. Um, let me ask you this. Is it still in England? No. Neither of these managers are in England anymore. Okay. So we're going to have to go. Oh, can we go? Can we try? Mm-hmm. Can we try Christoph Gautier at PSG? No, he's not on the list. Ah, he's not wow. in the top five. Interesting. Okay. Can we move to France and go back don't, to Spain? D- uh, don't go to France and don't go to Spain. Okay, can we go to Germany then? We can go to Germany. We can go to Germany. All right, so then let's put in Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel is number five on this list at 10.5 million. You've got one more manager. I'm going to guess that this is the easy one, Eden Tursich at Dortmund. Nope. Ooh, okay. Not, not in Germany anymore either. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so we can't go to Italy, can't go to Spain. I never said we, we couldn't go to Italy. Can we go to Italy then? We can go to Italy. All right. Can we say Allegri? We can say Max Allegri. Eleven. Uh, well, I, I did say that. Oh, well, I thought, I thought <laughs> no, you were quiet. You, you were quiet. That's why. That's right. You uh-huh. you, were, you were saying it can't be Max Allegri. Uh, Max Allegri, 11.2 million pounds. So your top five coming from five to one. Thomas Tuchel, 10.5 million. Max Allegri, 11.2 million pounds. Jurgen Klopp, 15.7 million pounds. Pep Guardiola, 19.7 million pounds. And the number one highest paid manager in the world, Cholo, Diego Simeone, 29.8 million pounds a year. Excellent question. For some managers, you wonder why are they paying them that much? And for some, you're thinking, why are they paying him so little? Yeah. Well, you heard us talk about, you heard us talk about Max Allegri, right? So mm-hmm. why are we Do you think he should be making that amount? No, no, <laughs> not a chance. And especially not this year. It should have been some kind of prorated, you know, bonus driven contract or something. I don't know. It's just a mess, but that's going to be our show next week. That's for sure. So without anything left on this week's show, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Yes. All right, here we go. So for episode 389 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Carlo Gargarnese uh, for joining us on the show. Next week, we will talk the final week of Italy. We'll talk the final week of Spain. And we'll start to get prepared for your Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League finals. So for episode 389 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>